Good Tuesday morning to you. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL podcast, is joining us. And he's coming to us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the only solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Well, Ross, we want to know what you know about the quarterback situation because we have a vested interest up here in Utah. Taysom Hill is one of our guys. What is going on hey brother good morning to you appreciate you having me on yeah it's a very uh, interesting conversation going on down in uh, new orleans when it comes down to this quarterback conversation and this competition between these two and you know I'll, I'll start off with a quick tease for you i think Taysom hill's holding his own and he's a little bit more in the conversation than i've been maybe some folks might have expected at this point in the offseason Okay, so they've had one uh, practice game. They've only got three this year down from one as they increase the uh, amount of uh, regular season games up one to 17. And, you know, we have a vested interest, as I say. And I was interested in what Sean Payton said that after the game, I think it was, that he's not making any quarterback comparisons now. It was somewhat of an up-and-down performance by both quarterbacks, Hill and Jameis Winston. Why do you think Peyton said what he said? I think that the six turnovers in that game had a lot to do with it. Um, You know, two of them, or rather, yeah, two of them happening, or rather one of them actually happening after the, you know, Jameis and Taysom possessions. You had uh, three running back fumbles during their possessions, and you each had both of those quarterbacks throwing an interception. And, you know, in each case, I think you can give a little bit of blame to the quarterbacks. You can give a little bit of blame to the receivers as well. It's a bit more of a shared responsibility on both of those interceptions. So for me, one of the reasons why Sean Payton might say, look, I'm not making these comparisons immediately after the game is because, first of all, he was steaming after that game with six turnovers. And then the other part of it is that it's tough to sort of have that initial response to it without being able to go back and look at the tape and try to you know, mitigate and even the playing field as best as you can between these two guys and then make comparisons on the 12 throws that they threw throughout this game. I'll tell you that as I went through and rewatched the game, I thought that Jameis had the better performance, but I don't know that he did nearly enough to really distance himself from Taysom Hill. Every time that Jameis Winston has pulled a little bit ahead of Taysom, he has found his way back into the conversation with a great performance in camp, showing his additional abilities, which we don't get to see and didn't get to see in preseason, which are the design runs. He's a you know a little bit frantic as a scrambler, but the design runs and everything that he can do with the ball in his hands are undeniable. So there's always going to be that sort of looming over this comparison as well. Yeah, just judging from watching, it did seem like Winston had the edge on that. I don't know how much you put on one single preseason game as opposed to every day in practice. And then combined with what is ahead, because they still have a number of practices in the two preseason games to go before they even get into game week. With that in mind, how long do you think the competition will go before a quarterback is named? Sean Payton has said he wants to get at least the first two preseason games in and being able to evaluate then both of the preseason games as well as practice in camp, putting it all together and then doing you know their evaluation based upon that. Every day after training camp practices, these guys get handed a sheet of paper, essentially a report card on their day that lets them know, here's what you did well. Here's what we're going to be working on. Here's what you need to improve, so on and so forth. And so some of the things that they'll notch there, of course, are the pretty common 
things that you would that you would think of for a quarterback was the accuracy, timing, anticipation, but also command of the huddle, ability in and out of the huddle, command of the line, making the right reads, field progression, sort of the more nuanced pieces of the quarterback position, composure under pressure, things like that. So I think that the idea is to get two of these preseason games in, get both of these guys opportunities against, you know, with, with first first team reps and with second and third team reps, and then get them there to where they're going up against guys that they don't see every day in other jerseys, and then be able to make an evaluation based upon that in time for them to utilize game three of the preseason the way that they would usually utilize game three of the preseason, which is a bit more of a dress rehearsal for week one. So we could have an idea of what this offense will look like and who the quarterback will be going into the third preseason game, though I would be willing to bet that Sean Payton won't publicly announce anything until game week for week one. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL podcast, joining us. I had to laugh when Taysom was first making his mark in the NFL because we saw him play here. And, you know, if you saw that Texas game, either home and away for that matter, when they, I was there down in Austin when covering the game for the station and he hurdles the kid and I think he ran for 200 plus yards when they played up in Provo. And, and so seeing people get excited because he had a four yard run in the NFL to me at, was like, well, duh, this, if you just, if you just had a raw athletic competition, Taysom Hill is going to be in the top half, if not the top 5%. He's an incredible athlete, but you know, I admit that question, if he could be an NFL starting quarterback, just because you're a phenomenal athlete, Tom Brady, as we know, is not w- winning any sprinting races, but nevertheless is a phenomenal quarterback. So with that in mind, he's had a number of opportunities to play at uh, you know a, a smaller level, obviously not as a full-timer. Uh, didn't play two years ago when Bridgewater went in when uh, Breeze got hurt, but then this past season, Hill did play. Uh, is he viewed, or do you view him as an NFL quarterback who can lead a team to the playoffs? Because the Saints, they're about getting to the postseason, not and winning in the postseason, really, with Drew Brees. I mean, they have had a really good history. Is Hill that type of quarterback? Yeah, I would say that I view their perception of him, the organization's perception of him, as that quarterback. Otherwise, he wouldn't be as you know tight in this conversation as he is. And I think that one of the things that we don't do enough, whether it be, you know, in, in New Orleans media or even national media elsewhere, is give Taysom Hill credit for the fact that the player that he was in college and early on in the NFL was exactly that player who would run for 200 yards, had the big 40 yard scramble against the Atlanta Falcons, is running over linebackers, all of that. Now all of a sudden, we're legitimately talking about him being in a true and earnest quarterback competition to be the starting quarterback for, a, for an NFL franchise. That's a remarkable development and remarkable sort of growth that you've seen from him to be able to change his body, to be able to make adjustments to how he worked, back shoulder type work as opposed to working on front side muscles. Like everything that he has done over the course of this offseason and really over the course of the last couple of years has put him on this trajectory. That's a lot of hard work to be able to do that. We hear about players transitioning from wide receiver to DB or from uh, wide receiver to running back or running back to wide receiver. I mean, all of those transitions tend to be a little bit more casual than a transition from effectively being a team's second or third option at tight end to now being able to compete earnestly at the quarterback position. Do I think that Taysom Hill is somebody that can lead the New Orleans Saints to to the playoffs? 
I do. I believe that Jameis Winston can as well. And it might not happen the first year. I don't think that it could ha- that it would happen the first year. But I do think that with Sean Payton, with this offense, with the coaching staff, with the weapons that they have, particularly if they can retain a healthy Michael Thomas going into 2022, then all of the pieces are there so that the Saints can do what they did with Drew Brees. Build a ro- build essentially a car around a quarterback that can drive them that can drive that quarterback to wins, and then also be driven by the quarterback to wins. And that's going to be an important piece for how they continue to build out the rest of the roster around whichever quarterback they choose to move ahead with. Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL Pad podcast, joining us here on DJ and PK. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting that I don't know, maybe it even works against. Taysom is if he is the starting quarterback, then he can't play all those other positions, which he adds value to the team. Obviously, Sean Payton and put him in the position to succeed in a number of different positions, and he did. Does that work against him, his ability and versatility to play these other positions? I think it can. I mean, the, the idea that the New Orleans Saints have always moved forward with when it comes to their offense is putting the 11 most talented players out on the field at the same, at the same time. That's their focus. And so that's one of the reasons why you're seeing guys like Ty Montgomery, who, you know, lined up at running back at the end of last season, now moving back over to wide receiver because they want to get him out on the field at the same time. They're getting players like Latavius Murray and, of course, Alvin Kamara. So I think that that does work against Taysom Hill a bit. And that is a bit of the perception that he has to be able to sort of persevere against and overcome in order to be able to take that starting quarterback position and really walk away with a win for both of these quarterbacks. Jameis Winston has to overcome the fact that Taysom Hill is adored by this organization and has been in the organization over time and just sort of deserves the opportunity in that sense. Taysom Hill has to overcome his own perception as being more than just a quarterback, and or I don't want to say just a quarterback, but doing more than just throw the ball, throw passes. He's a runner. He's a pass catcher. He's a blocker. He's all of these. He's a special teamer. He's a tackler. I mean, he's all of these incredible things just as an athlete. So they both have something massive to overcome when it comes to doing what it takes to win this quarterback competition. Therefore, their performances need to leave no doubt. I didn't see either of them leave no doubt on Saturday. Hopefully, we'll see that up against Jacksonville. So, if Winston wins it, do they just use Taysom the way they used him with Drew Brees? It's an interesting conversation because he slimmed down quite a bit. Not not a ton. I mean, we're talking about five or six pounds. But the work that he did maybe takes him out of maybe some of those special teams place takes him out of some of those blocking assignments perhaps but you could still use him as a pass catcher you could still use him as a runner so his role might change and be a little bit different than what you saw during his time with Drew Brees but I would imagine that he would go back to being that sort of offensive weapon that Swiss Army knife being able to use him in line as a true Y, but not really putting him in a ton of blocking assignments on linebackers or defensive linemen, maybe utilizing him more from the slot as well. The Saints are going to need the hands if they can find them at pass catcher without Michael Thomas and potentially without Deontay Harris. Taysom Hill could be a big time, you know, big time addition for you in that sense and help supplement some of that. So I would imagine that there would be some push to get him back on the field and keep him on the field at that capacity. You know whether or not Taysom really wants to do that. If he believes that he can move on from the Saints after this year and get a starting quarterback opportunity elsewhere, 
then maybe that factors in. But at least what the Saints showed him last year when they had him come in and be the starter for those four games after Drew Brees is that they're willing to take him out of that role to use him as a backup quarterback and have him go in and still win games for the New Orleans Saints. So I would expect to see a push towards that with an understanding that he would still be the guy that they would turn to if they needed to replace a quarterback for multiple games again. Sean Payton is really known as a great offensive mind. Do you think that the Saints feel like, hey, no matter what, we've got two guys that are capable, and with Sean Payton's ability to put them in a position to succeed, we can be okay? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I think that this organization trusts Sean Payton uh, extremely well, and I think for, for good reason. I mean, you've had a few losing seasons with Sean Payton, but you're now you know, four-time back-to-back NFC South champions, division champions, four-time back-to-back playoff, uh, you know, uh, opponents and and contenders. And and I think that that was with a Drew Brees that the New Orleans Saints were sort of reshaping their offensive attack around during that time. And so you've seen now Sean Payton over the last couple of years win with Drew Brees of old, Drew Brees of recent, uh, Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater all under center. And so I think that with all of that, you look at Sean Payton's ability to be able to scheme, particularly be able to scheme wide receivers, his ability to be so successful on a scripted first 15, and his ability to be able to close out halves with a score. And then the defense's ability over the past few years to be very stout, particularly in the second half. So if you're able to build that momentum, because Sean Payton is so good at scheming up those two-minute drills at the end of halves, be able to build that momentum on the offensive side at the end of a half and then shut down a team's opposing offense on the defensive side, which remains to be seen in 2021 because this defense took a lot of losses, then I think that there's enough around these quarterbacks to believe that either one of them could be successful in Sean Payton's system and as a company by Dennis Allen's defense. So we know Payton is a great offensive mind, and he likes Jimmy Buffett, so we know he's way cool too, don't we? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. I've always said that, actually. I've always said that. (laughs) All right. Well, Ross, we appreciate your insight, and we'll look forward and see what happens in New Orleans. Will Taysom Hill win that job? Thanks for joining us. Hey, absolutely. Uh, Big-time pleasure, PK. Appreciate you having me on. Y'all take care. Stay safe. All right, you too. That's Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints and Locked on NFL Podcasts. It's going to come down to the wire. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, will Taysom win the starting job? And if he doesn't, you know, that's an interesting concept. Does he want to be out on the field doing these other things, or does he want to be viewed as an NFL starting quarterback? His time is here. If it's not now, well, then next year, does he move on? It seems like there's always a number of teams that need NFL quarterbacks, NFL teams, obviously, and then in that position, uh, does somebody else take a fly on him, or is he going to be a saint? And is he going to... I'm saying, now, this is just from a great, great distance, I'm saying they go with him, that he wins the job, because I think that... I think Sean Payne's enamored with him. Picking him up off the, when he was let go by the Packers. Uh, well, so. he wasn't let go. He was put on their practice squad, and he swooped in and said, okay, if you're not going to put him on the active right. roster, I'm going to scoop him up. Right. So he had his eye on him yeah. for a while, and he had a fair amount of success in limited action last year. 
so can he build upon that? Can he be accurate as a passer? And really, as I analyze the situation, I think the accuracy of the passing game is where it's going to be. Because we know he can do all the other stuff. And, you know, no one wonder if is he going to be, how's his health going to be? Uh, because when he was in college, and we saw that, those two Texas games are prime examples, if something wasn't there, he could take off, and there probably wasn't maybe more than one or two guys out on the field who had a chance to catch him, uh, unless they had some great angles and the sideline was to their advantage as an additional tackler, so to speak, because the kid it really is a phenomenal athlete. So how does that work in the NFL? Well, it's probably not to the same level of where he can just blow by everybody and be the best athlete on the field because I think that in most, certainly when he was growing up up there in Idaho and then in even most games that BYU played, he was the best overall athlete out on the field. Uh, he's one of the better ones in the NFL, but you know what does that mean? A quarterback is a position where not necessarily the number one attribute certainly isn't your overall athleticism. It's your ability to read and pinpoint accuracy, put the ball where it needs to be, adjust on the fly, do all those types of things. And it's not like Winston has just dominated in that category either, right? Obviously, Tampa Bay let him go. And so they are locked in that battle. But I kind of get the impression that Peyton wants Hill to win the job. But he's got to win it. I don't think he's going to hand it to him just because I like you. I think he's going to have to win it. And if he can win it, I don't think they have any problem going with him. And then it'll be fascinating to see. Because i got to admit, man, I had my doubts. I had my doubts. I can remember BYU announced that Taysom was going to be the starting quarterback. And right after that, I was down there for that day in Provo when they made that announcement. And they said, hey, one of the, one of the guys at BYU said, you know, probably uh, Mangum is the better thrower. But uh, we just feel like Taysom can help us win more at this time. Now, it turns out one guy makes the NFL, the other guy doesn't. So even at that, and it was somewhat of a race, they were unsure uh, that they really had the best passer. Well... Turns out they probably did. What does that mean at the end of NFL level? Fascinating to see if Hill can do it. I'd love to see for him to do it, uh, overcoming so much. And I think it's good for BYU. It can help them as they continue to recruit and quarterback and get a tradition. If they can get a tradition. And I think they have an opportunity to get uh, restored at quarterback because I think Aaron Roderick, I think that he's going to want to take more chances than the Jeff Grimes offense did. Jeff Grimes, an old offensive lineman, right? What offensive linemen love to do, they love to dominate and run block, and they love to flatten you. You know, pass blocking, that's for sissies, isn't it? Run blocking, that's where the man in you comes out, right? And you can dominate the, the dudes across the side, the line of scrimmage from you. But I think A-Rod doesn't approach that. If you look at his body, I'm confident in saying Aaron Roderick never played offensive line in any type of organized football, even unorganized football, right? He's a smaller guy. But I also think that <clears throat> he wants to take chances. Now, I don't think he's going to be of the line of a what a win by nine, not by two type thing. He's not going to be careless. I'm not saying that by any stretch. But I think he's looking for ways to get the ball downfield. So going forward here, they have, and my point that I'm making is they have an opportunity 
to establish themselves at quarterback, particularly among the LDS quarterback, which it seems like, I don't know, Yach, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like every three or four years, there is a real hot shot LDS quarterback out there. Uh, even more often than that. I think it's more often than that? Because I can, I can think of in the last, let's say, two recruiting classes, there has been at least one name that's popped up. And coming up in the 2022 class, there are two guys I can think of in Southern California who are both members of the faith that are both hotshot quarterbacks. And they've got their eyes all over them. Yeah. And one kid, Javance Tupawata Johnson. Yeah. And the other one, I think it's Nick Iamalavea. Yeah. They're both Polynesian. And they want both of those guys. They're recruiting both of those guys. And if both of those guys were to commit, they would take them in a heartbeat. But the point being that the idea, you come to BYU, and it could be a little bit of the BYU of old, and especially if Zach Wilson goes on and has success, you know, it was A-Rod and Fessy Sataki who are responsible largely for getting him to BYU and then developing them. And interestingly, if you don't believe me, um... Zach Wilson took four coaches back to the NFL draft. Care, head coach at Corner Canyon, who is an absolute genius of an offensive mind. Absolute genius offensive mind. There's no question about it. I'd put him up with anybody. I don't care what level. This guy knows offensive football like anybody that I've ever met. And then I'd go, and he also took Fessy Sataki, Aaron Roderick, and Kalani. So Fessy and Aaron were back there. Uh, and obviously that's in tribute to what they did to help develop Zach Wilson. So BYU has an opportunity to establish themselves at quarterback. Stay with us. We'll get you caught up on what you missed, may have missed. Stay with us right here at 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join hands and Scotty Thursday at Ochre Mountain Pharmacy from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And Ochre Mountain Pharmacy's address is 3665 South 8400 West Suite 120 and that is in Magna. All right, man. Magna out by the airport. Yeah, absolutely. Good old Magna. Love me some Magna. Love me some football, too. Basketball, baseball, you name it. And we got it all. It's a great time to be alive, is it not? Great time to be in sports radio. Really, a lot of things happening. This offseason, a so called offseason after the Jazz got beat by the Clippers, it just doesn't seem as long. And now the anticipation with each day. Anticipation is growing larger and larger, bigger and bigger as college football is coming upon us. The Utes checking in at number 24 in the Associated Press poll. I thought they'd be a tad higher. I thought they would be between 15 and 20 myself. And the reason why I say that, and I've said it, I think, and then these are done, Associated Press is media folk, right? Obviously, we got the coaches poll, and there's some debate whether the coaches actually do it or staff members do it. Depends on the guy, I guess. 
But the media is just that. And I believe that, my gosh, every time you hear about the University of Utah, there's nothing but praise. You know what they're going to get. They're so well coached. They're tough. They're disciplined. They're smart. Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. They're underrated. The fact is they're not underrated. They're rated all the time. They're given the benefit of the doubt. And I guess Kyle's earned the benefit of the doubt. You know, he's one of the longest tenured coaches, right? Him and Shaw are right at the top in the conference. Everybody else has changed over, if not once, twice, three, four times. I think the Sun Devils will have a change here very soon. Probably not this season. What I heard is possibly, you know, let Herm resign in somewhat of dignity after the season. And speaking of that, the Devils are 25th. Now, the cool thing about it is the conference is getting some respect, right? It's got uh, how many teams? Four teams in there? Four teams overall. Oregon, 11. SC, 15. Utes, 24. Devils, 25. So that's three of the six in the south. And one in the north. I think Washington should be ranked. I think Washington will be ranked at some point in this season. Uh, They're my team. I picked them to win the north. Oregon, you know, they've got a situation there. Uh, Brown is the transfer, a quarterback. And then there's a kid named Thompson, Ty Thompson. And he's thick and thick, neck and neck, I guess is what Kyle says. Neck and neck here for Utah. Well, reading up and what I try to do is uh, keep abreast of what everything is going on, what's going on in the Pac-12. It's easy to do with the internet these days as opposed to when we first got into the radio business. It was much harder. Well, now all you got to do is log on and fire it up and away you go. And I try to look at this stuff day to day, particularly where there are quarterback battles going on in the conference. And at Oregon, with this Brown played last year, so he's not a first-year transfer. But Thompson's a kid out of the Phoenix area. Of course, he was the number one recruit in the state of Arizona, which pretty much seals that he won't play football in the state of Arizona. The only time he'll do that is when his team, wherever he may go, if they should play in the state, that's it. Uh, but he's in the running and he's receiving serious consideration, which makes me kind of wonder, okay, a first-year freshman, yeah, and you can have spring ball and all that, but still, man, they call him true freshman. I call him first-year freshman. Uh, is that who you want? Is that a division winner? Is that a conference winner? A f- freshman quarterback? Not a redshirt freshman quarterback? Not a transfer freshman quarterback? A first-year kid? Just barely removed from high school? Makes me wonder. The point I'm making is makes me wonder how good Oregon is going to be. How good is Brown if he's being pushed by a kid who's only been there for a few weeks, relatively speaking, as opposed to you got in there last year and played some. As you were behind that Shuck kid, of course, was, and now he's at Texas Tech. He's another Arizona kid who left a dime a dozen. All those kids who leave from down there. How good would those teams be if they kept those guys home? Yeah, it'd be a lot better, man. I'm just saying, like, it's yeah. incredible how much talent is being yeah. pumped out of that valley. Yeah, there's just no no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, believe me, it wears on you. Uh, that's why you've, you you if you're a Sun Devil fan, at least for me, you're basically resigned to five and four, four and five in, in conference, and then your non-conference. I um, mean, you could schedule three wins if you want, 
or if you want to play a tougher schedule, you can go one and two, two and one, whatever it might be. I sort of look at the the conference season as the true barometer as far as uh, how good you were. A Rich Rod would like to schedule three dogs for Arizona, get half his bull eligibility out of the way before we got to the second, third week of September. And so you could do that if that's what you're interested in. So I don't really count, put a whole lot of stock into that, uh, depending on what your schedule might be. And pretty much everybody, except SC. SC and UC Los Angeles, I don't think they play like the big skies of the world. What is that, the FBS or the FCS? I don't remember. FCS is uh, big skies of the world. And uh, nothing against them, but when they're going up against the FBS, the FBS should be able to win. Simple as that. I know Mike Leach had some issues in uh, Pullman, which was always entertaining because then he would blast the team. Leach is well known for taking a lot of the credit, and then when the team loses, letting the team have it publicly, right? So rankings are out in Utah. Man, Kyle continues to pump them up. I find it really, really fascinating. He is not backing down from what he thinks about this team and how good it could potentially be. We'll see how it plays out for sure. Yeah. Some other stuff going on. Jazz Summer League, last chance. Last chance to see Jazz basketball until uh, the end of October. I haven't seen it. The schedule's not out for this season, is it? NBA? I haven't seen it. The NBA yeah. just announced that the national TV schedule uh, will be announced actually today at 1 o'clock. That'll be like the Christmas Day games, opening day, but the full schedule is still to be released. So 1 o'clock our time or East? 1 o'clock our time, 3 o'clock Eastern. Okay, so we'll see who's going to play Christmas Day. We'll see if Yak is working Christmas Day. Sweet. <laughs> Mrs. Hatch will be real happy about that one. <laughs> well, let her know it's the business you've chosen, man. I've uh, I've been out of the country on Thanksgiving Day working. I've worked Christmas Day. Uh, this is not a, a, an eight to five job by any stretch. And actually, I'm I, I'm grateful for my wife because she has put up with a lot of bizarre working hours over the years, man. And when I worked for the Daily Breeze down in Torrance, California, in the South Bay, you wouldn't know your schedule until like ten days before. They'd post a schedule for some of us, and I was one of those guys, if you're working some desk, as they called it, putting out the paper. And you wouldn't have, for for years, I did not have split days off. I mean, I had split days off. I did not have consecutive. Consecutive days off. Yeah, yeah. so I would have like a Tuesday and a Thursday, or a Monday and a Wednesday, or a Monday and a Thursday. Those would be your days off. And you just, if you didn't like it, you're free to quit. <laughs> I don't know how many people... I've, t- I've told some people this, but the same month I started working with you two, I moved over from the previous show I was working on, the exact same month I met my now wife. So she is literally, from the day she met me, not known me to be doing early morning sports radio. And she's put up with a lot in that time. Yeah. And I'm with you that, thankful she's still hanging around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to joke on... Uh, I mean, I worked every weekend. And even here when I came to the Watchdog... Uh, most every weekend too. Uh, every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday. Uh, yeah, uh, the hours. It, it finds out what it what it tells you is who really wants to be in the business, and who thinks they want to be in the business, but aren't necessarily willing to put up with all the crap that goes with it. And the hours. Now I'm in a good spot now. Um, I've got zero complaints. Uh, with my work schedule now, absolutely none. I'm going way back. 
I'm going back in my 20s and 30s, and I'm halfway into my 40s now. So uh, back when, just kidding, might be a tad older than that. Uh, so Jazz Summer League today at uh, 1.30 as they close up shop. They're facing the Sixers. You can see that ESPN3, NBA TV. I'm going to watch it. I've watched most of them. I haven't watched every single game, all games, like I do regular season. But there's been some assessments that he's been able to make. Azubuke has afforded himself well. See what they got there. I don't know what's going to happen with Whiteside as far as the backup center. What are they going to do there? They're going to put him in. Uh, but he's going. He's he's played well. Forrest, they've signed. Uh, Hughes has looked good. And then uh, we'll see about the uh, the young rookie, as uh, Rod Huntley would call him, a butler, when uh, he gets going here in October. Uh, I think they're done with their roster. Maybe not. Maybe they'll have another move or two. We'll see. Probably not. Uh, some moves in the NBA. Marcus Smart, four years, $77 million bucks. Man, it's great to be an NBA player. Joel Embiid, whew, already on a $65 million deal, is now going to get $196 million for a player that you know, you know full well. We talk about Mike Conley not playing 82. Well, there is no way Embiid gets anywhere near 82. But he's a heck of a talent, so he can get away with it, I guess. They're willing to to deal with that. Uh, baseball, Garrett Cole comes back for the Yanks after COVID, and he strikes out nine, and the Yankees beat the Angels 2-1. to one. Cole is 2-1, and one, or uh, what, no, two and one. that was the name of the uh, score of the game. He's 11-6 and six on the season. And the Yankees are charging, man. They're making a run. Giants and Dodgers continue to win. Chris Bryant, newly acquired from the Cubs, hitting two home runs. And Dodgers win. Dodgers, Andre Jackson, Utah pitcher, got in, pitched four innings. Great day for Utah baseball. C.J. Crone hit a walk-off home run to give the Rockies the win over the Padres. Padres slumping a little bit. And so uh, the Rockies have had 11 walk-off wins. And this month, Crone He's batting 400, man. 18 for 45. There you go. He's in a one-year deal. So maybe that uh, he's got a 20 home runs. Maybe he gets re-signed for the Rockies. And the Padres looking for pitching signed Jake Arrieta. He was struggling, man, because you Darvish went on the IL. Man, they were hurting for pitching. Cubs and uh, Cubs or Cubs and Reds is going to be playing in the Field of Dreams. Ball game the next what next uh, August and Yak is telling me he's got some NBA news that he's going to share right now in three in two and in one. This comes from our listener Jason Moon sending this in the section ESPN report. I think Adrian Wojnarowski with the report saying that the Utah Jazz are expected to host the Dallas Mavericks Christmas night in the nightcap of the Christmas Day games. So you'll have uh, Luka Doncic playing here in Salt Lake City Christmas evening. Christmas night. What's that? that might be an 8.30 our time. Normally it? it's an 8.30 game, yeah. Yeah, well, they have, they have like four or five games Christmas Day, They usually right? go five games starting at 10 a.m. our time, and then the nightcap usually at 8 or 8.30. That's a sign of respect. Jazz playing Christmas Day at home, no less. If you're going to play, you might as well play at home, right? Yeah, you want to be home. I mean, 8.30? You got young kids? If you're a Jazz player, what are you going to be doing at that time of day? Right, and maybe they have a little shoot around in the morning. I guess. 
and then you go on, you can go home. You could still have Christmas Day here, right? What day is Christmas on? It's on Saturday this year, isn't it? Saturday, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Saturday night, Christmas night, right? Got to go to church the next day. Still worth it. Still worth going to church the next day or worth jazz playing Christmas night? Both. No, it's just the, the you're, you're right. The, the respect factor that's there. You get a home game, and obviously Luca a huge draw with what he's done for I agree. Mavericks. I agree. But this yeah. just is. I think it's a tip of the cap for what they did this past year, looking ahead to the coming season. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. Christmas Day. You know it'll be cool. I, I wonder how much just the cool factor of Dwayne Wade being involved, and Ryan Smith, young guy, cap backwards. Uh, sort of the modern era of the Jazz being ushered in. Not that there was anything wrong with the other era because it was just fine the way it was. But now this one with Jane Wade always seems to be there on the front row. And if he's an owner, yeah, I would be too. Uh, and the Jazz are a really good team. We were teasing Gordon Monson. We had him on earlier how he's picking the Jazz to win. He hasn't literally picked them. But he thinks that, hey, you know, they improved themselves. I think so. I'm excited for the season. Not really thinking in Jazz mode right now, but have no problem making that switch to getting into jazz mode at any time of year because they're that dominant in our community and they've got a really good team and they got an opportunity to better what they did last year. I think it's possible. We'll see what happens. All right, stay with us. We'll wrap up the show next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Hey guys, oh man, Jake Scott just did a segment with PK. I don't know if I'm just a little tired or waking up in my car, but that was the funniest segment ever. Keep it rolling. Good job. Hey PK, this is a Mormon Guy 17 here. Um, the 17 was when I was 17 years old, 13 years ago, but we can just say it was uh, for Austin Collie's jersey number for the Colts. Okay. Feedback of the day brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Yeah, thanks for the feedback. Uh, before we get to that, I want to pay tribute to John Peace former longtime associated with the University of Utah, going back 60 years. He passed yesterday, uh, played for them, uh, coordinated for them, coached for them, coached in the NFL. And it's not like I was best friends with Coach Peace. Uh, I've interviewed him a number of times. We've had him on the show, sat alongside of him at various places where we've had him on. And he had a flair and a personality that everyone enjoyed. He was comfortable in his own skin, and he knew who he was. His football knowledge was unquestioned. that, That goes without saying, really, literally. I mean, he knew football from the defensive perspective as well as anybody that I've ever been around. That is something that's an absolute fact but his personality was someone that you could warm up to and he would warm up to you and it's not like I like I said we were tight by any stretch but having interviewed him I don't know a few dozen times over the years uh, really really was an outstanding person he passed congratulations on a great life for John Peace and condolences to his family. Now, as far as the feedback goes, yeah, Jake Scott joined us yesterday. Yak, you may want to cut the beginning of that because he had a little manifesto of something that he felt like that you have to pay attention to because if you don't pay attention to it, 
in another 10 years, you're going to be out of the business. And I didn't know where he was going. He surprised me. And where he went was making fun of the soccer manifesto, as you remember. And Jake Scott must have been listening to that that morning. And he remembers Mr. Sniggledorf, who will be back tomorrow driving the show like he normally does, talking about how, you know, he made a conscious decision. He was here to speak his piece without interrupting me. I'm interrupting him. Yeah, I remember the thing with Jake is he heard it, but he actually came in shortly after that happened and said, hey, will you play that? And we actually played it for him. So So he latched on to where if you don't jump aboard soccer, you're going to be out of the business in uh, 10 years or so. And that has stuck with him. And then we had uh, Mormon 17. What did Mormon 17 say? I mean, I know what he said there, but what was I said, who is Mormon 17? What did he say originally? Uh, it was a take from earlier on about the um, question of the day with two quarterbacks, and he roots for everybody in the state. It's just oh, yeah, there you go. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Rooting. We're talking about, uh, you know, you're hardcore in the rivalry if you're rooting for Zach Wilson to fail because he didn't go to Utah and he went to BYU, or you're rooting for Taysom Hill to fail because he went to BYU. And I said, when I moved into this community in 1993, I had no idea the passion and the hatred that went back and forth. How could I? I had never lived in Utah. Had no real connection to Utah. I'd just been the state a couple of times. And then I found out in the Tribune newsroom and the sports department, there were guys who went to the U who were rooting for Steve Young to fail because he played at BYU. And that really surprised me. I'm all for the rivalry, but once the guys go on, that doesn't really mean anything to me either way. They're on there making uh, money as a professional athlete. Good on them. Good for them. They've won. So I don't really care what they do going back and forth. But I found here that people tend to think that. And certainly uh, there was a lot of folks uh, that were sick and tired of all the Jimmer phenomena. He didn't make it big in the NBA. He did play in the NBA, but he made it big at the college level. And he was a great dude. And I root for all of them. Whether they succeed or not, it really doesn't matter. But I'd like to see them succeed. And so we'll see. Tyler Huntley, I think, is a great story. Making the University uh, from U- making University of Utah's starting quarterback job and then going on and now with the Ravens trying to get the uh, number two job away from Nick Sorley there behind Lamar Jackson. All right, as I said, DJ will be back tomorrow. We'll be in our usual roles. Thank goodness for that. Looking forward to his return. And right now, looking forward to Scotty and Hands. Join them. They're coming up next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.